0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. How's that rain? Awesome. That rain pretty good. Uh, yes. Rains in plain, in Spain, mainly on the plane. You ever done that? All right. I've never been to Spain, but I've been to Oklahoma. Good to see everybody tonight. I tell you, I was kind of worried. I, I never am worried on Wednesday night, honestly, because you folks just seem to love the house of God on Wednesday, and you show up in mass. But the rain kind of hindered some. I guess, you know, Reed had a wreck coming to church tonight and uh, missed his class, and uh, he going to have to take driver's ed or something. I don't know what's wrong with him. <laughs> but it's good that Reed's all right. He was hit. He didn't. It wasn't his fault. He, he's all right. I'm happy to tell you he's all right. So that's a good thing. Are you are you ready for the word of the Lord tonight? Yeah. Now we we uh, we are excited because we have we have next door upstairs uh, an evangelist speaking to our young people about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, yeah. and I think that's just awesome. And he has he has ministered here numerous times. In fact, he was one of our first evangelists that we ever had, and. He pastored some, and then he went to work at some churches, and now he's just going out and preaching. And we're going to have him back in the month of May, perhaps in June, to have him here speak to big church. But what a joy to have Pastor Shelly Hendricks in the house tonight. And he's going to bless those kids, and there's going to be a ton of them receive the baptism tonight. I just believe that with all my heart. Amen. We're delighted. I want you to put your hand together. We're delighted to have Brother and Sister Ashlock from California. This is Duke's father and mother a uh, retired Pentecostal pastor. We're glad to have you folks. God bless you. It's an honor. And, and I'm happy to have Zachary and Melissa tonight, Gilmore. They have come to church. This is their third service. Two Sundays ago they were here and Brad preached a wonderful word and the Lord blessed their lives. They've been looking for a church to worship at and then last Sunday they were here and they went by and picked up my dear friend, his father, Terry Gilmore, that I go to a Bible study at his place every other Thursday and look forward to it. It's just an amazing time to be together. And uh, they're in the house. So would you, give, would you give Zachary and Melissa a good hand right over here? Amen. And if you're a first-time guest, we give you a hand tonight. All right. All right. All right. I... Uh, you don't want to get close to me tonight because I was at the porch and one of the porch men that was with me said, looks like you've been hit or stung by mosquitoes about 47 times. I went to the dermatologist today and she zapped me. I do it once a year and uh, she thinks she has to kill everything on my face because she's trying to make it look better. She really is trying to take away the cancerous things. I don't go there for any other reason, but I'm zapped. So if you walk up and say, Pastor, it looks like you've been beat up. Well, I haven't. I've never been in a fight in my life, and so, but I, I was with one today with some, with some cold ice thing on your head, whatever that is, and it hurts like the I don't know how the devil hurts, but it hurts, I promise you, and I'm, I'm feeling a little better. Uh, I didn't take any medicine for it because I wanted to be in sound mind to preach to you tonight. Would you stand, you're awesome people. We're doing a series called In Need of a Hand and, uh, and last week, let me just kind of give you a little, a little overview of what we did last week because we're going to pick up tonight and do a little expository ministry tonight. I don't do a lot of expository, but I want to do it tonight. I want to take a story in the Old Testament and just kind of break it down verse by verse and try to just bless you with it. But uh, last week we talked about looking for an extra hand. We're looking for that extra hand. And there is a scripture in the Bible that talks about when you make an altar in the house of God, don't make it after a man's cubit. But make it, here's a man's cubit right here. But make it with a cubit and a hand, another hand. And so a royal cubit or a sacred cubit. So it was something that God said, when you build my altar, I want you to add an extra hand to it. I want you to put an extra dimension. There's some things in our life, folks, that we can't do by ourselves. We need another hand involved in it. Amen. And God is that hand up. He's that hand beside us. He's that hand with us. And so we're looking for a hand in our life. And I believe that God is going to give us what we have need of when we need it in our life. He didn't say anything else, but my grace is sufficient. In other words, when you need it, it's going to be there for you. It's going to be everything you need. So thank God for the grace of God. We're excited. So tonight, we're talking about In Need of a Hand, part two. And I'm not going to read the text tonight, but my reference text is Exodus 17, verses 8 through 16. And if you want to turn to that or follow along, we're going to break this down as we go down the Scripture. And we're going to preach the Gospel tonight in need of a hand. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. Now repeat after me. Pastor, Pastor. teach the Word to us tonight. Let it touch my mind. Let it it change my mind. mind. Teach the Word to us tonight. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Teach the Word to us tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. You may be seated. God bless your awesome people. I love you very much. You don't have to be a boxing fan to remember names like Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Mike Tyson. By the way, I met him one day. I did call him Champ. I didn't embarrass him or insult him. Evander Holyfield big-fisted gladiators. gladiators, But C.D. Blaylock is not well known. But he did something in a ring that should make him the most famous boxer of all times. In the 1930s, Blaylock stepped in the ring to fight another boxer. But he really didn't need another opponent. Because in one of the strangest moments in boxing history, Blaylock took a huge uppercut at his rival, missed him, and ended up hitting himself right in the chin. Staggered, fell down, totally out for the count. He became the only prize fighter in history to defeat himself by knockout. (laughs) Now that's funny, I don't care who you are, that's funny. I've seen many Christians just like C.D. Blaylock. They're in the ring against the devil, their flesh, and the world. But the devil doesn't really need any help because they keep knocking themselves out. (laughs) We're all fighting battles. We fight family battles. We fight for our marriages. We're fighting for our children. We're fighting for our future. We're fighting with all we have. We fight financial battles. Some of you can't seem to get a handle on your money. And there's more month than there is money in your life and you're struggling to make it. We fight fitness battles. I don't. You do. (laughs) I quit fighting a long time ago. Either you're overweight or out of shape or you're sick or have a disease and you're fighting that. Or maybe you're fighting the bluebell demon. (laughs) You're fighting the faithfulness battle. It's very difficult for you to maintain a strong walk with God because you don't yield to anything but temptation. And you fight the thing called lust. But I'm convinced that we're all in need of a hand tonight. We're all in need. Too many Christians are being defeated. In their daily battles, because some of us are not showing up for the war. And others do not even know the war is going on. But I do believe many Christians are simply not using the weapons that God has for us. Because our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Do you believe that tonight? I want to teach tonight. On how to make a difference in the world in being victorious over the enemy. I'm going to talk in three points tonight. Three simple points. Number one, everybody say, the Lord blesses. blesses. You believe that? Have you been blessed by the Lord? Have you been blessed by the Lord? In verse 8, there's a little word in in, in Exodus 17, in verse 8, there's a little word you cannot miss. It's the word now. Or it may read in your particular version, Then. But up until now, right now, several things had happened to the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. First of all, a wall of the Red Sea had tripped them. But God pushed that wall down and turned it into a bridge and delivered the people from Egyptian bondage. Secondly, they came to a place called Mara. It was an oasis of water where they were, and they were dying of thirst. And, but the waters were bitter and they were undrinkable. And God shows Moses a tree. He cuts it down and he throws it in the water and it turns to the sweetest water on earth. It's amazing what God can do with a place called a tree. And the third thing, they come to a place called Elam, 12 wells, 70 palms. They're starving to death because they had no food. But again, God came through and began to rain down manna from heaven until their stomachs were full. And now they're at a place called Rephidim. Say "Rephidim." Rephidim. Rephidim means rest. And again, they're dying of thirst. There's absolutely no water, bitter or sweet. But God tells Moses to go strike a rock in Horeb with his rod and the water would come forth. And Moses did that and the rock became a fountain of fresh water. The point is this, up until this time in the book of Exodus, Israel had been given blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. But now, in chapter 17, verse 8, Amalek came and fought with Israel At Rephidim. It's important to understand, folks, who Amalek is. General Douglas MacArthur once wrote an article entitled, Requisites for Military Success. The great leader said that there's four ingredients necessary to win any battle. You might want to write it down. I didn't put it on the screen. Number one is morale. Everybody say morale. Morale. That's M-O-R-A-L-E. Morale. You've got to have a morale. You've got to believe that you can. Number two, say Strength you got to have the strength to fight the war. Number three is supply. Say supply. supply. And number four is knowledge of the enemy. Say knowledge of the enemy. Knowledge. MacArthur said, the greater the knowledge of the enemy, the greater the potential of victory. So I want to introduce the enemy that came against Israel at Rephidim. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Esau was the twin brother of Jacob. And he was a man who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And his descendants became the first nation to oppose Israel after they left Egypt. Let me clue you in on something. In the word, Amalek represents the flesh. All right? Not the physical flesh, but the sinful nature. Woo, I want to preach right now. That we're born with that causes us to do bad when we want to do good. It's interesting, whenever you read about Amalek, he's always found inside the camp of Israel. And today we have an enemy inside of us that's called flesh. Because we have three enemies in our life the world, the devil, and the flesh. And I am convinced, folks, that the greatest enemy is not the devil, the greatest enemy we face is not the world. But the greatest enemy we face is the flesh that we carry with us every day. Can somebody give me a witness on that right now? Because Because neither the world nor the devil can get to us except through the flesh. Paul said in Galatians 5 and 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's no record, folks, that the Jews ever had to fight a battle in Egypt. Now, stay with me. But once they were delivered from bondage, the enemies began to line up. That's exactly the way it is in the Christian life. When you're born again, Amen. the battles begin. Because hell don't need to bother you when you're living for him. That's but when you turn around and make a U-turn and do a 180, hell says, oh, Lord, I've lost him. And here comes the battles. But I want to declare, First John 4 and 4, greater is he that is in you. If you'll help me a little bit, I'm going to throw down a little bit here tonight. Then he that's in the world. Everybody say, the Lord is our blesser. And from the moment, folks, we, get, we are saved, we become heirs to all the blessings of God in our life. Remember this, battles always follow blessings. Amen. That's good because God can use those battles to force us to trust the giver rather than the gifts. That's right. It's not necessarily bad to have a face, have to face the enemy. It's not really bad about that. I'm, I'm telling you, it's all right to have to fight the enemy. It's okay. You know, codfish are caught up in the north East, And California likes them just like they like them in the northeast. So when they first started catching those codfish up there they had a problem getting them to California. They didn't know how to get them there because the time they shipped them across the country they were soft and mushy and they were fishy and nobody would buy them. And so they didn't know how they was going to get them there because they had to get them there by rail. They had to get them there by by vehicle. They, They didn't have what we have today. They were shipping them slowly. And so one day they were sitting around the table and somebody said, I got an idea. I know what the codfish, I know what his arch enemy is. It's a catfish. Why don't we put the codfish in this big old tank and put a catfish in that tank and let those codfish fight that catfish all the way to California. And when they get to California, they're going to be in good shape. They're going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're going to be in good shape. And they'll be able to be eaten. They won't be mushy. They won't be soft. And they'll taste good. Guess what? They put a catfish in every one of those tanks and every one of those codfish had to fight their way to California. And when they got there, they were strong. You hear me? Sometimes you think because you're going through a, oh, hallelujah, because you think you're going through a battle. You think you're going through something that you can't handle. What the devil is, he, he just can't get this. He can't get this. That the more you have to fight your way through it, the greater and the stronger you're becoming in God. Because God, when you get through that, will take you to another level. And when you go through that victory, you'll go to another level. And when you get that victory, you'll go to another le- Are you with me tonight? I don't know what level you're on, but it ain't good to be in the first grade after you've been living for God 30 years. I love all of you. I just had to say that. It's not bad to have to fight battles. It's not bad to have to wage war. It keeps you vigilant. It keeps you strong, and it keeps you on the alert. But every time we move now from blessing to battle, God moves from blesser to battler. Everybody say, he's a blesser. blesser. And not only that, he is our battler. I don't know if that's a word, but I love it. (laughs) He's a -A B-A-T-T-L-E-R. He's a battler. Verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Go fight against the flesh. Tomorrow I'm going to stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Mm. Moses chose to go up to a hill. I think this. From the hill you can get the big picture and the best view. You can see all the battle. You can see where you're strongest and you see where you're weakest. And here is the best reason. Military men tell you tell you that while whoever has the higher ground always has the upper hand and the strategic advantage in any battle. It's good to get high. Here's a clue Moses represents a praying warrior, he's a prayer warrior. And he's praying while Joshua was fighting. And anytime the Christians pray, he always moves to higher ground. I'm trying to tell you, you're not going to get this in your life just through bluffing your way through. Sometime or other, you got to bow your knee and say, Lord, I want to go higher than I've ever gone before. You're my blesser. I need somebody to battle for me. I'm going to pray until you give me something that I can go forward in and promise you when you start praying, you'll go to higher ground than you've ever gone in your life because prayer will elevate you like you've never been elevated in your life. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He always gets the strategic advantage over the enemy when a Christian prays. So in verse 10, we're doing expository tonight. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. So Moses was praying and Joshua was fighting. If you pray but you don't go to war, you're only fooling yourself. But if you go to war without praying, you'll never succeed. Let me say it again. If you pray, but you don't go to war, you're only fooling yourself. But if you go to war without praying, you'll not succeed. We ought to pray as if everything depended on God. And we ought to work as if everything depended on us. James said, I see your faith, but let me show you faith with my works. Sometime we got, I I need to preach right here. Some people want to be like monks in a monastery. They want to get away from the world. They don't ever want to confront it, never do battle, just lock themselves in an ivory tower, sing and chant and read the Bible till Jesus comes. Then there are those who want to leave the monastery, never pray, go to the main street and confront the world and try to change the world on their own. I'll tell you this. One is just as wrong as the other. You cannot win in the valley unless you win on the hilltop. And weariness in prayer brings weakness in battle. In fact, the battle is really won or lost in prayer. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, don't be afraid of what's going to come against you tomorrow. Fear not is in the Bible. God's going to give you victory over everything that you come against. In fact, I've said it, I've said it 20 times in my pastor here. My favorite four words in the Bible is it came to pass. Nothing here ever comes to stay. It only comes to pass. So if you're walking and you're on your way to heaven and something comes against you, it's not going to stay here, it only comes to pass. And something else hits you, it ain't going to stay, it's going to come to pass. And you keep walking, you just keep going because everything that fights you here is temporal. Where you're headed to is eternal. And I'll take the eternal over the temporal any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Somebody clap your hands and rejoice with me right now. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. Everybody say Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, everybody say Amalek prevailed. This is fascinating. When Moses raised the rod, Israel prevailed. The word prevail in the Hebrew literally means to be given strength or to increase in strength. Everybody say to be given strength. You see, prayer not only blesses you, it strengthens the people that you are praying for, which is why it's so important that you pray for other people. Let's stop right now. Let's stop right now. I've never done this in my life in pastoring here. Why don't you reach over and just put your hand on your neighbor's arm right here and say, Lord, bless my neighbor today right now. Bless my wife. Bless my husband. Just pray for him right now. Come on, bless him. Say a little bit more. Say, God bless him. Give him strength. Bless him today. Bless him tomorrow. Let them rise up in the morning. Feel good about life. Feel good about tomorrow. Amen? Come on, bless them right now. Bless them right now. Don't that feel good? If you read verse 11 carefully, you'll find something interesting. We expect the first part to be true because when Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. You would expect the second part to read when Moses lowered his hands, Israel did not prevail, but it didn't say that. It says that when Moses let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. It didn't say Israel failed. You know what that means? When we don't pray, we not only weaken ourselves, but we strengthen the enemy. You know what, folks? I don't normally, I'm not bragging about but I don't normally talk about my prayer life. But I love to get along with God. I sung a song on a record years ago when I'm lost in the presence of Almighty God. And I'm free from this world's gravity. Angels and incense and heavenly choir. Sights that I've never seen. In the presence of the King. There's nothing like prayer. There's nothing like prayer. Now stay with me now. Stay with me. I walked in this auditorium today, just me and Jesus, and I didn't know if I wanted to turn the lights off. I said, well, men love darkness because their deeds are evil, so I'm going to turn the lights on. So I turned the lights on, and I started walking. In about three minutes, I was in the Spirit. You know why? Because the Lord had already showed up, because He knew He had some favorite kids that was going to be here tonight. And He was already, Dr. Taylor, He is already waiting on me when I walked in here he said what you have need of tonight son I said I need a little help he said I'll be there for you not only will it be your blesser I'll be your battler I'll be there for you and I started praying because he was already here can I tell you folks if you just clap your hands a little bit right now and give him an applause he's in the house right now he's in the house he really is this is not emotion this is real he's in the house why don't you give the Lord's presence a big old hand clap Right, he's in the house right now he really is No prayer gives strength to the enemy, the world, and the flesh. Prayer is not just for defense, it's for offense. In fact, if you read Ephesians 6 about the armor of God, you will find that every single part of the armor is for defense except two things. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and prayer. And prayer. Joshua could not have succeeded without Moses, but Moses could not have prevailed without the support of Aaron and her. Moses got tired. He got weary. He needed men to come along inside him and hold up his hands as he held up the rod of God. Not everybody can be a Moses or a Joshua. Those kind come one in a million. But every Christian can be an Aaron and a Hur holding up the arms of men. Of God and of Christian leaders who desperately need their support in prayer. If there's no her and Aaron, then Moses fails. If Moses fails, then Joshua fails. And if Joshua fails, then Israel fails. And if Israel fails, the battle is lost. I'm here to declare that I don't I don't I don't consider myself Moses because I'm I'm telling you he is what prayer is. It's it's prayer that needs the support and hold the hands up of prayer. We need to lift the hands of prayer in this church. Brad, would you come? Randy, would you? Breed, would you come? Come on up here, guys. All right. So, so we say, well, Pastor, you know, uh, prayer's tough. Prayer's just hard for me. Yeah, it is. It's not easy. And sometimes we get tired of doing this. I need some help, guys. I need some help. Don't just look at me. There's a battle going on. All right. Little looser, little looser, give me a little freedom. <laughs> you can tell this is rehearsed. <laughs> it's not a man I'm representing. It's the power of prayer I'm representing. And prayer is in need of a hand. Because prayer sometimes gets weary. And our prayers get drudgery, and we think God doesn't hear us, but somebody needs to come and lift your hands and say, Prayer still works. And that's what a pastor's doing tonight. Not lifting up my hands, lifting up the hands of prayer, because you don't need to quit praying, you need to keep praying. Prayer still works. Hold your hands up and say, I believe in prayer. In need of a hand. You may be seated. Let me finish. Let me finish. I don't want to hold you long because I've got things to do myself. (laughs) Victory in verse 13. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. It wasn't Moses who was empowering Joshua and his army, it was God. Who was impairing both Moses and Joshua? One through prayer, the other through power. One on a hilltop, the other in a valley. One in a prayer closet, one on a field of battle. But both together, doing it through the sovereign power of the Almighty God. The battle was not won because of Joshua's genius, it was not won because of the army's might. It was won on the hilltop. Vigilance on the hilltops brings victory in the valley. And I wrote this, and I I put double parentheses around it. Apart from prayer and the power that prayer brings, it doesn't matter how many buildings we build, how much budget we can raise, how many benefits you can give, it will all come to naught without God's blessing on this place. Would somebody help hold up the hands of prayer in this house? Because prayer still changes things. When you work, you see what you can do. When you pray, you see what God can do. Let me finish. The Lord is our banner. Everybody say, He's our blesser. He's our, blesser. He's our, battler. He's our battler. He's our banner. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 14, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. That I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. It's the first time in Scripture we're told that God said to write down anything. He wanted this account to be written down because He wanted to clear that vic- wanted, wanted to clear that victory came from Him. Joshua fought, Moses prayed, but it was God, say God, God that gave the victory. Victory in your life will be determined not by the battle you can see, but by the battle in the spirit that you can't see. First John 5 and 4 said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. Wow. Everybody say, Lord. Lord. Increase, my Increase my faith. Verse 15. I love this. And Moses built an altar and called its name Jehovah Nissi. <laughs> Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. There was to be a visual reminder that Israel marched under the banner of a sovereign God. The Hebrew for Nisi translated banner means war flag. You know how you get a war flag? You get in a war room. You get in a war room to get a war flag. And when you get in that war room, God's going to give you a banner. And you're going to come out waving it because God will give you victory in prayer. I'm telling you. Prayer brings victory. We may enjoy the blessings of victory, but only God gets the praise for the victory. Can you say amen? Clap your hands to the Lord right now. And verse 16, the last verse in this expository study tonight. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now let let me preach a little bit right now. God said that, and it's true, because not only did Joshua have to fight the Amalekites, Saul had to fight the Amalekites. David had to fight the Amalekites. And to this very day, there's war in Israel between the Israelites and the Amalekites. Now remember, the Amalekites represent flesh. They are the flesh. You see, you're never finished with Amalek. Until you go to heaven, you're going to have to fight Amalek. This flesh. Your flesh is going to face you and fight you to the day you go to heaven. Now the bad news is you're no match for Amalek without Jehovah Nisi, the Lord your banner. But the good news is Amalek is no match for Jehovah Nisi. Either you conquer Amalek or Amalek (laughs) conquers you. Anybody like Winston Churchill besides me? (laughs) I had not seen his movie. I want to see his movie. I ain't had time to go to a movie lately, but I want to see Churchill's movie, Darkest Hour. I want to see that because I I think I'd have really liked the man. Lady Astor didn't like him, but I think I'd like him. When Churchill was elected Prime Minister of England, she was in her greatest crisis, England was, and he rallied his people by making this statement. He made this statement. I love it. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind, he said. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. And you ask, what is our policy? I will say, it is to wage war by sea, land, and air. And with all of our might and with all the strength that God gives us to wage war against this monstrous tyranny, never surpassed in the dark, lamentable, lamentable catalog of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I say in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory there is no survival. Thank you, sir. Folks, there is no plan B. There is no plan B. It's all or nothing. So if you're having trouble selling out, you need to sell out to this thing called Jesus Christ, this principle called Jesus Christ. You need to sell it because there is no there. There is, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I didn't I didn't mean thing. The kingdom of God is what I meant. But you are the mighty God. But Lord, I want to sell out. I don't want to be half-hearted in this thing. I don't want one foot in the on the earth and one foot in the heavenly. I. I don't want to live that kind of life. I don't I want to be involved in what you're doing, Lord. Because this is the greatest life you could ever live. Even if there's no heaven, it's the greatest life you could ever live. But there is a heaven. There is a hereafter. We're not living this life just to go to the grave and it's over. We're living this life because there's a hereafter, hereafter. And I promise you, I promise you it's going to be a it's going to be a big deal. So as we go toward that, why don't we get stronger in the Lord? Why don't we let our battles make us stronger when we conquer the flesh again? Why don't we make it, let it make us stronger, not weaker? Why don't we get stronger? Because I don't think the church is going to go out in a limp. I think it's going to go out in a blaze of glory. I think we're going to leave here in a wonderful state of glory and power and grace and strength. I got to close. I got to quit. Randy, if you'll help me. I've preached long enough. In need of a hand, I was fascinated to read when General Cornwallis, the Revolutionary War, was surrounded by American and French forces, and he surrendered his troops on October nineteenth, seventeen eighty-one. He ended the Revolutionary War, and here was his reason. Here was his reason: his supplies were depleted. Everybody say his supplies were depleted that's what he said was his reason but when the Americans soldiers went to that British camp they were amazed to find 144 cannon and mortars thousands of big gun cartridges and 120 barrels of gunpowder 800 muskets 266,000 musket cartridges 73,000 pounds of flour 60,000 pounds of bread and 75,000 pounds of meat and 30,000 bushels of peas 1,250 gallons of liquor. They could get drunk every day. And enough of their military materials and foodstuffs to hold on for months after months after months after months after months. months. There was no end to what they had. The British at Yorktown had resources to win, they just didn't have the will to win. Mm. We've got everything in the world right here. We have the resources. We have the word, we have the spirit, we have the blood, we have his name in our life. Come on, come on, we got the resources. He's the blesser. Come on, he's the battler. Come on, he's here for us. And he's our banner. You have the resources. Don't, don't resign the battle because you don't think you have resources got resources you're going to win this thing you're going to conquer you're going to you're going to be with the Lord one day can I just say because some of y'all are worried I can tell the way you're looking at me I didn't dress me tonight my daughters did So if you don't like it, just send, me a, just send me a little note and say, Pastor, don't like the way you dress tonight. It's all right. I'll just tell my daughters, and they'll have to change my wardrobe. They want me to, to wear more casual on Wednesday night. Boy, oh, I didn't feel casual preaching tonight, though. So I felt the Holy Ghost. Now listen, listen, listen. Don't say God's not enough. Don't say His Word doesn't help you. Don't say His Spirit is not powerful. Don't say His name is not awesome. Don't say you don't have resources. You have resources. We can win this thing. In need of a hand. hand needs to hold up the prayer of this church. Pastor Kelly, I want to thank you and Sister Debbie for being our prayer pastors. I want to thank you for it, leading our church to prayer every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you because we have prayer in this house. I want to thank you because we have praise in this house. I want to thank you because we have anointed music in this house. I want to thank prayer because we have anointed word in this house. God is in this house. Stand to your feet, rejoice. He is in this house. Hallelujah. Oh. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Everybody say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Last thing I'm going to say, let's hold up the hands of prayer. Let's hold him up. Let's hold him up. It's not about a preacher. You're supporting a preacher. It's about prayer. Prayer is looking for a hand. Prayer is looking for a hand. Prayer is looking for somebody to hold up the hands of this thing called prayer. So when you get up in the morning, Dad, why don't you just take five minutes to bless him? Take five minutes to read the word. Take five minutes to intercede a little bit to him. Why don't you do that? Why don't you, Mom, when you get up in the morning and you're fixing kids something to eat for school, why don't you say a little blessing? When you put a little sandwich together for that baby Just say, Lord, let this sandwich be a blessing day. Bless my kids. Lord, I want want prayer in my life. I want to offer a sacrifice of praise in my life. I want to give something to you tonight, today. And start your day with prayer. And I promise you, I promise you, your day will be 100% better. Because prayer needs a hand. Prayer needs a hand. There's a lot of praise in churches, but prayer needs a hand. Come on. Moses was a prayer warrior. Joshua was a warrior. We need somebody to stand on the hill and pray. And pray.